0: You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there, friends. Welcome to episode 58. Uh, Jason Priestmeyer here. Uh, so glad you could join us this uh, episode, this afternoon, morning, uh, evening. Please fill in the blank here.
1: Whenever you're listening. <laughs> yeah. whenever you're listening to it's, it. It's afternoon for us. I
0: feel yeah. obligated to, yes, do your customary greeting, like happy uh yeah monday but whatever day it is happy
1: day to you happy day happy day
0: hopefully this time of day is very pleasing yeah (laughs) john wayne is with me as always how you doing sir
1: i am wonderful
0: we are definitely um uh trying to kind of rearrange schedule a little bit because you got a busy couple weeks two weeks or one week one
1: week tomorrow i leave for seven days in puerto rico Puerto Rico. Uh Very nice.
0: Yeah. Mission trip. Mission trip. I can't wait to actually hear um, from you when you get back yeah. from that because i know that uh I don't, this isn't our mission episode we're, we're planning on having one yeah but i know that uh, puerto rico's just had a horrible time since harvey which was how long ago um nine, draw, it, nine months. yeah so i mean it's just um it's really hard to imagine so the fact that you're going there in person is really yeah. Uh, exciting
1: um, yeah it is exciting to see what's going on and um to see what the mission mission organizations are there how they're responding um, I'll, we're going with a small team. This isn't to go change the landscape of Puerto Rico, but uh it'll be interesting to check things out and report back. So yeah, next time you you guys hear from me, I'll definitely share some a little bit an awesome. update. And then at some point, as Jason alluded to, this summer we're planning um kind of a missions podcast in response to all the mission trips that happened this summer. Yeah yeah
0: we definitely have a busy summer because we got a team of Brenham right now doing UMR meeting.
1: yeah it's already started I forgot that's yeah.
0: cool okay so let's get back to our current summer ser- so sermon series wonder work yeah uh, we're in week four out of how many seven six six six, six? yeah so we're over the halfway point, mm-hmm. and what an interesting place we've landed this past week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why don't you get us give us an overview of, just real quick, where we've been in uh, this past Sunday service?
1: Yeah, so quickly, uh, obviously Matthew chapter 1, the, the, the genealogy of Jesus is what the sermon series has been based upon. So uh, wondering why Jesus, um, or why Matthew would share this line, uh, this lineage. Uh, why is this the first page of the New Testament? What is so important about this? It looks boring, and we skim over it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we, we looked at what um, maybe some of the things that Matthew was trying to do by opening with this, that this is actually something that's very important. And Matthew's presenting this kind of royal line, this fulfillment of Abraham, fulfillment of who David was to be as king and uh, is communicating all these rich theological themes throughout even just a list of names. And so uh, we, we looked at that over the first several weeks. We got this past week into a place where... Where we're looking at um, in particular the unlikely people that show up in the line um, so there's women that show up in this genealogy and we, we don't expect that and so uh, we wonder why normally if women are in a genealogy it's basically if a husband has multiple wives and we're trying to prove which wife mm-hmm. Had okay. the son? We're trying to show what line, which son got the inheritance. Oh well, it's so and so son because yeah. he had multiple yeah, wives. Okay, and so that's typically the only time we're going to see women in genealogies. Yeah. And then, but in Matthew, there's this isn't it, that's not the case. There's there's four women here. They're four very interesting women, and so we looked at that a little bit uh, and focused on. I don't. We we grabbed the messiest one. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I was just thinking.
0: I'm like. So we're we going to have a sermon on those other three, or, or no? No, you, I mean, you had we, to pick it'd, one and it'd have
1: to be a much longer series, so we yeah. picked one, and we drilled down into the story of Tamar and Judah uh-huh. from Genesis chapter 38. It's an interesting interruption of the flow of the book, and um, a really, if you think your family has got issues... Go read Genesis 38, man. (laughs) Like, it, I mean, it's pretty rough. And so, anyways, that's where we're at. We talked about that. We talked about how, uh, how God's working behind the scenes through this and, and why, a little bit of why Tamar was, was in that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, since we haven't, Got time
0: focused for those other women. What can you tell us about those other women? Why how come you think uh, why do you think they were included in this uh, genealogy?
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's a good question. So um, if you're if you're thinking about, okay, what is Matthew trying to do? Because obviously Jesus comes for came for women, too. So in Matthew, chapter one. G- is Matthew saying, you know, women are important too. Is this like the, the first women's suffrage yeah, movement or uh, something, you know, like what's sure. going on? And, uh, and if that was only the case, it is, it is that Jesus, yeah, Jesus came for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the only case what Jesus, I mean, what Matthew seems to be doing is a pointing towards what he'll say at the very end in the great commission that uh, as Jesus sends his folks out, you should go therefore to all nations. Uh, and so there's Gentiles and not just Jews, mm-hmm. uh, in, in these women and and in this line. Uh, and so this is an expanding reach of the gospel, a universal reach of of Jesus's redemptive opportunity for, for all of us. And then, um, so we see that playing out. We also see, I think, that God works through uh, the absolute mess of human sin and depravity and brokenness, uh, and he still accomplishes the redemptive goal and will uh, of his story and what he's aiming to, to accomplish. You See if you were standing on the sidelines and watching this story of probably any of these women play out, you would go, Well, I don't think any, I don't think even God can use this family to bring (laughs) anything good. And then, in fact, we get to Matthew chapter one and we realize that over the course of thousands of years, God's been weaving together this tapestry, Mm -hmm. uh, leading towards Jesus. So, that's a really cool thing. So, who are those women? Well, the women. We talked about Tamar. She's the first one on the story in Genesis. We talked about. Um, we've mentioned Ruth a little bit. We've. I've actually preached on Ruth this mm-hmm. year, I think. And uh, so Ruth is the um, is the Moabite woman who is uh, the Israelites are told to not 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 mix with the Moabites to to um, to stay away from them because they are idol worshipers they're despised uh, by Israel and so there's actually like kind of a law laid out in uh, the deuteronomic law that they should they should avoid the Moabites. Uh, Ruth is an incredible story of resolve where um, her husband dies, her brother-in-law dies and she's stuck with uh, her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law says go back to your dad's home. Mm-hmm and Ruth says no your your people will be my people your God will be my God I'm sticking with you no matter what so we got this women with no way to provide for anything they meet their redeemer uh, their kinsman redeemer and Boaz Boaz uh takes all of the women, really the two women, Naomi and Ruth, into his family, kind of rescues them from being on the margins of society um, and then we see that through that act God's line comes along Yeah, uh, they become a great grandparent to to King David which is a, a a twist in the story we have no idea who they are in this line really as we read through the book of Ruth and the very last lines by the way okay. down down oh, cool. the road comes yeah. David awesome. and so that's a cool one we have uh, the story of Rahab Rahab is a um is at least a prostitute a lady of the night um, She's in Jericho. She hides spies from Joshua's group, Israel, mm-hmm. um, as they're checking out Jericho and what's going on. She takes them in and hides them so that they can scope out the area and see and see what's going on. Um, it's a really interesting story that we have no idea like how how it ends, and I actually can't even see where we know who Rahab marries. Uh, in the scripture. I was searching this week Mm. as we were considering preaching that. I can't even find how we, where else Rahab is really talked about until all of a sudden Matthew chapter one, she shows up in the genealogy Mm. and you're like, for real? Like (laughs) the the line was going through that. And so uh, that's really interesting. Rahab might, not only is she late of the night, but she might run a brothel Mm. uh, by some of the context that's going on. Um, So just a crazy thing that, that she helps God's people, the Israelites, and, uh, therefore earns a place in the redemptive story. Uh, but she's, she's not one of those typical people you think about, uh, when you think about getting to the the pearly gates or whatever, Right. that the brothel madam is going to be walking <laughs> in with you. You know what I mean? And so, um, just another incredible story of, of what God can do. She's not
0: one of the her. people that Uh, you bring up at the family reunion just like hey (laughs) that's
1: right yeah i want you to meet rahab (laughs) probably probably not a lot of daughters being named rahab but maybe i don't know hey
0: we should research that
1: uh then the the third one um that we that you've probably heard talked about if you've been in church at all is the most famous i mean most famous adulteress there is i mean think of a i don't know who's a really famous adulteress.
0: In honor society?
1: Yeah, this one takes the cake. Okay. Bathsheba puts, puts oh, aside right, yeah. anybody else. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Marilyn Monroe or something like that. This yeah, is, I was like,
0: man, you're really going to have me call out somebody yeah, right yeah. here on this well,
1: podcast. Well, I don't think Marilyn Monroe's going <laughs> to.
0: No, she's, be upset about she that. doesn't listen.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she's not following us. But Bathsheba is like the, yes. the most well known adulteress. Um, King David, when, he, when kings go off to war, he stayed at home. Oh, yeah. And he saw Bathsheba and he took her in, killed her husband. Um, and that becomes a line that leads to Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's pretty, pretty remarkable that God uses and works through, um, that promise. So those are the women, uh, we could have preached on all of them. They're very <laughs> incredible stories. Um, but we talked about tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, so I guess we should talk about the story tomorrow a little bit. If you missed our sermon Sunday, I let, me, so. <laughs> let, me just, let me just give an overview here briefly, okay?
0: Give them the scripture yeah. again so they, they can go.
1: If you're in the car with your kids right now, you might pause this and listen to it later. How's that? I'm I'm just
0: gonna be blushing the entire <laughs> yeah, okay. time, so I don't. Right. Think, you're not gonna get anything out of me. It's all gonna be you.
1: Okay, going. so so Tamar, um, Tamar uh, is given to a family. Ju- let, let's start with Judah. Judah's a patriarch. He's one of the heads of the 12 tribes of Egypt, mm-hmm. of one of the tribes. Um, so this great patriarch. He's actually one of the brothers that sells Joseph into slavery in Genesis. Okay. That long story. Yeah. And then so all of a sudden in the middle of Genesis, it pauses and it focuses on how messed up Judah's family is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could talk. More about that, but I don't think it's important for us today. Um, and so Judah has these three sons. The first one is named ur The second one is named like Ashon, and then the last one Shelah, something like that. Don't quote me on that. Onan. It's uh, ur Onan, and Shelah. So Er um, uh, takes a wife. Her name is Tamar. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Ur is the oldest living son. He's the oldest son. He's going to be the heir heir to the heir whole family. Judah. Right. Uh, What we talked about Sunday is it's really important to understand a patriarchal society, a patrilineal society, Mm -hmm. and it's a patrilocal society, meaning the patriarch was the ruler. He was the enforcer. He was the one that made all the decisions. Uh, So when someone gets caught doing something like the end of Tamar's story, she gets caught being pregnant. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. When she's not wed to anyone, they don't call the police or call the judge or call the authority. They call the patriarch. And so they call the head of the household that she belongs to, which is... Judah and they say what do you want us to do the laws that we stone or burn her yeah. and he says yeah burn her so he's the judge the jury the patriarch is responsible for that if someone gets in trouble like when Lot is caught with enemies uh, Abraham is the patriarch they come to Abraham and say hey will you come and rescue Lot from mm-hmm. these enemies and that's his responsibility to go and rescue him so we see those places. Okay. so that's a patriarchal society patrilineal means it o- the inheritance always goes to the oldest male in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're the youngest brother, that stinks. Like you depend on those older brothers. And so it always works that way. There's more we could say about that, but we won't. Um, That's also, well, let me say more about that for a second. (laughs) That's also why there's a law, the Levite law that comes out in Deuteronomy that says because the inheritance goes to the oldest brother, then it then a brother if he dies uh well if if the the oldest brother dies before he has a son then the next brother is to sleep with the sister-in-law and give the mm-hmm. dead brother a son so that he can inherit what he was supposed to have Does that make sense that is yeah that's very did crazy I say that in you did yeah. yeah
0: so it, it it took me a while for that to sink in i was yeah. like okay i get it yeah so the older brother who's the the Heir, yeah, doesn't have a son, so
1: but he's still the heir, even though he's dead, he still
0: is. So, the yeah. whatever uh child that the ex wife has, the yeah. widow, yeah, um, she that son that child belongs to the older brother who's yeah. now dead, even though it's yeah. not technically his, and
1: she's still connected in yeah. that way, but without that son, she's not connected. And so then if if that didn't happen the next I mean if they go down the line of signs. So that's patrilineal and why yeah. that's why that's important. Patrilocal means that all everything is centered around the family and the tribe. The tribe is the is a groups of families that are in one, like extended, extended mm-hmm. families. But the family, called the betov, like the household, that's where the, the head of the household, the sons and their daughters and their kids all lived, and they farmed, and everything existed there. The, that's the economy. That's the social hour. That I mean, everything is there. So that's the society we're in. So Tamar, given to Ur, Ur is a wicked man, so God puts him to death. Okay, We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> so God puts him to death, and then... Um, it is now response. It is now the responsibility of the next son Onan to give a son to Tamar. Yes. So he's supposed to sleep. That would with her. not be his. He's supposed to take son. her as a wife right. and sleep with her, and that son would be Ur's um, Ur's son. Son. Okay. okay? And so uh, he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to give inheritance to his dead brother. Mm -hmm. He would be the next heir. And so he doesn't want to lose his first son in that Mm -hmm. way. And so scripture says, or the King James Version says, he spilled out his seed upon the ground. Okay, So he... Stopped from happening, what needs to happen for Tamar to get pregnant? Right. So God sees the wickedness of this, puts him to death. Okay. So now two brothers are dead. Yeah. So now there's a third son. It's a responsibility that Judah would make sure that Tamar would be given over to the third son. Judah looks at the situation, goes, one common factor. Her name's Tamar. My my boys are dropping like flies. Mm. I'm not letting her go to my third son. Yeah. Uh, so she's like. He tells her to go to her parents' household, stay there, and wait for the other guy to grow up a little bit more. And then you can come be with him. But really what he means is go away. Go away, yeah. Yeah go away so l- let me wrap this story up so then <laughs> if it's not messy enough already Tamar realizes she's lost all connection to society she's yeah. been pulling away from everything she decides that she's going to uh, dress up as a lady in the night, as mm-hmm. I said Sunday as a prostitute she's going to cover her face she's going to stand on the corner the street corner that's popular where Judah might pass by her father-in-law and she's going to get what Judah should have pr- provided for her, yeah. and that is a link to society through a child and so she pretends to be a prostitute, presents an opportunity for Judah who probably is looking for an opportunity. Yeah. And t- he takes this uh, this woman and he sleeps with her. She asks for payment. He, uh, she asks for his seal, his family seal, mm-hmm. which is ironic. And we could talk about that too. <laughs> uh, so the fam- family seal, which he tried to push her out of the family, yeah. she takes that through other means. Um, and then she goes on her way. And so then later on, people find out she's pregnant. She's not married. They call Judah. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. He says, you know what? I tried to sweep this under the rug and I didn't, but now I can kill her and it wouldn't look bad. Right. And so burn her, burn her at the stake. And she says, okay, but first, uh, I want you to know that this child, this the baby's daddy is the owner of these things. Yeah. And she sends the seal and the thing and then Judah's like, oh crap. Uh, okay. And the last words are, uh, she is more righteous than I. Yeah. So that's the messy story we shared <laughs> on Father's Day. <laughs> All right, it's a mouthful.
0: That was, uh, I really like... I'm going to make sure I say this right before I say yeah. I really like the prostitute angle of the story but that's yeah. not what I was trying to say. What I really like is the fact that Judah is shown as a man who's not righteous. He's not the perfect angel that we expect yeah. Jesus' great, 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 great whatever yeah, grandfather is yeah. Yeah. going to be. Yeah. And not only is... She knew that and one he of was, the
1: twelve tribes, like one of the yeah, heads uh-huh. of, the tw- of the tribes.
0: Yeah. Not only did she know that he was uh, prone to do this kind of things, mm-hmm. but she—that's how she t- she saw her opportunity to take advantage yeah. of it. And she did, and so yeah, I mean that ought to give you hope. Is you know if your family's messed up, but yeah, yeah, there's redemption. You can yeah, <laughs> good exactly things can come out of this. That's right? exactly right. Yeah, All right. So then, now what? So so uh,
1: a couple of things. Um, like Sunday, we talked about something about canonizing the culture right
0: yes that was an interesting term i know the term canon from like science yeah. fiction and stuff
1: like that so oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so can't the canon is the bible right yes when we talk about that in in christian circles we refer to that as the canon it's like the final closed product like you can't add anything to it it's yeah. authoritative it's the official it's the official account of yeah whatever, the yeah. thing of the mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. i mean that's what it is so we don't we don't. What I was trying to say, Sunday. What's really important is we don't canonize culture of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we don't look at what's going on and say, um, "Man, if it's in the Bible, then we should all have multiple wives." Like I, I don't hear many people trying to make that argument nowadays. Yeah. Or some, uh, but I don't hear so, mo- right. most of the people in in the 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 general. Protestant churches, Catholic churches. I don't see anybody trying to argue that we should be able to have as many wives as we want. Uh, And that's because we don't canonize the culture. The other thing that that does for us is it allows us not to get overly freaked out by some of these things that happen. Because God was revealing himself to an ancient context and he was revealing himself in the midst of their context so that he might transform it and change that. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what's going on. He's still doing that. It's just in different ways at the same time we don't canonize the culture that's around us and so we don't look at them and go why why aren't they more like us or we don't we don't take our experiential things from culture around us and go, "This must be how it is." Even in the secular world, we do that all the time when we go look at people from other countries and stuff like that. And definitely Christians do this, and we go, "You know what? If you want to, if you want to be better, then you just be more like us." Yeah, like we kind of canonize <laughs> what what our life experience yeah, is for sure, and we dismiss who they are. So we don't canonize those things. So when we look at this story, we see some really messed up things. And the whole point of Sunday was to teach us a little bit about Old Testament culture, about Hebrew culture and the way things are set up in the household, around the patriarch and all of that stuff and why things took place mm-hmm. in the way they did. And and what we see is that God begins to reveal himself through a patriarchal society, through this inheritance, through the, through the ways that we think about and the language that we use to consider what it means for God to relate to us and to bring us into a family. Into a family, yeah, yeah, We talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that means completely different to the Hebrew context because that's yeah, sure. security. That's everything. That is everything for us. We're like, I don't really like my family, you know. So like, <laughs> so it doesn't mean as much. So anyway, so I, I wanted. I think that's a really important that we don't canonize what's going on. An example of that is like multiple wives or um, uh, bringing the pregnant teenage girl mm-hmm. to the stake and burning her. Like we we are not going to all of a sudden implement those right. things, right? I I hope not, uh, because those are things that have changed in ethics and the way that we we interact with each other. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to I don't say too much more, but it's like yeah, that was the the time the period where these people uh, existed and and where they were. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible, I think, about God speaking through people to people through the internet. Yeah, but clearly, if this. What's yeah. happening today and if this does yeah. happen today yeah that would be the met- metaphor you know that would that would how the transport yeah that the, the message would come across so right. that is uh really good I like yeah that. good Yeah, good so um <laughs> you kind of touched on this again but let's go back to those two brothers yeah that um that god struck down mm-hmm. right um what's that all about is, is, are we now saying like, okay, here's all the cool ways that God struck down people that were bad and deserved it. Is yeah. that, is this, I yeah, feel like that's mess- what we're getting there's at.
1: There's some messy, um, messy theology, like the theology here. Uh-huh. And so, uh, uh, you gotta, you gotta kinda, you got, there's some questions here for, for me too. Uh, I wonder, first of all, in Genesis, I think we were, we're at, we'd have to ask who's writing the book and from what perspective are they writing mm-hmm. it? Because I, I think um, from what we see with scholars, they think it's during Moses' time. The first five books are written, and so Moses is writing much later, and he's looking back, and he's almost kind of telling the story to his people around a campfire, so to speak, about this is how we got to where we are. Okay, this is this is how we got to this place. Okay, yeah. I can see and that. so now story time is more about communicating themes and purposes and stuff that happen and not as much about historical detail reporting. Okay. Okay? And even then, historical reporting in ancient contexts is much different than the way that we think about historical reporting today. Um, and so we would ask that question a little bit, and the reason why I bring that up is did God, like—, like Lightning bolt! These two brothers—they screw up, or <laughs> yeah. or did they did they die? And the interpretation of that was because they failed in their responsibilities, mm. or something happened and something went wrong. Yeah, you know, I don't know. And I'm yeah, and I'm know. not trying to say God didn't kill him because he might have. Right. Uh, we see God with a flood and and the things that are going on there. And so, um, I I, I would say that there there's some nuance there that we don't quite understand. The other thing I would kind of say is. Well, God gave us life. Mm-hmm. Um, God can take away life. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think that that's the way that He operates, uh, for the most part. But like we're talking about wicked brothers and people that weren't following the law and weren't listening to what's going on, and God is judge and jury. At some point, He determines what our eternal, you know, the judgment of the eternity that that lies before us, and so. A um, couple of brothers that weren't following through on the responsibility. I kind of go, all right, there's there's some other crazier things that God does in the Bible, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm not going to get so caught up on that. But I have to admit, when I read this story and I see that, I go, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you did? Like we, There's another place in, in Acts where someone lies about how much money they gave to the, the early church. And yeah. they're like, struck dead. <laughs> Boom, right there in their sight. You're like, oh, that's a little harsh. Yeah capital punishment. Okay, so messy answer. I don't know, man. It I is. don't know.
0: No, and, yeah, yeah, that 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 occur, that just strike me as one of those questions like we just really can never yeah. know yeah. definitively, right?
1: Well, just think about again, ancient different ways yeah. of telling a story and and things like that. I don't think it's as one-to-one kind of it I don't think it translates perfectly. I definitely think, think yeah, I definitely
0: think the the ancient audience wouldn't say, "Okay, the second brother um, he had a obligate an obligation based on their society and their culture and he's like wait if i don't do this then i get the whole hair so he's clearly being selfish he's clearly like Mm -hmm. trying to game the system Mm -hmm. and yeah god should probably strike him down for that. yeah i don't know know. so why, why does
1: it seem to happen in more uh in more like in these like more frequently in the old testament yeah I guess frequently, but we don't like see that happening in the New Testament, or like even now.
0: Yeah, it goes back to that whole entire conversation that we've we've had recently about okay. Well, people say, well, this is why we should just dismiss the the Old Testament and kind of like yeah, let's forget that. Yeah, forget that happened. Let's just brush over and focus on the good stuff, the the newer stuff. Yeah, yeah. How does so? How does this whole story? fit into the context of, of joseph Joseph's oh yeah story.
1: yeah so this interrupts the joseph story completely and you're wondering like what's going on yeah. so again if moses or somebody's writing later and they're telling this story i think what they're trying to communicate in genesis is from the very beginning of, of creation things were in a place that they should be and then immediately the fall creates this this downward spiral that's terrible and god tries to uh, stop that from happening with uh, with noah and then with abraham Okay. And and still things quickly spiral out of control. And so we have the uh, the Tower of Babel and people begin to build a tower to themselves and God spreads them out, makes a promise through Abraham. And still that promise is there, but we can see early on in Abraham's story that that promise is not going to be fulfilled for a long time. Mm-hmm. We find out it's a really, really long <laughs> time. Um, but things just get bad. And so then all of a sudden the author stops doing this kind of overview thematic journey and he drills down into a story of one family and that's the story of, of Joseph and his brothers and his dad and how Israel ends up in Egypt mm-hmm. uh, so it gives if Moses is telling his people that have come out of Egypt out of slavery this is how he ended up in Egypt because of this family situation mm-hmm. so he tells the story of Joseph and what's going on and then he pauses in the middle of the Joseph story and he says listen this is why things were so very bad and we really, God allowed us to be taken into Egypt. Hmm. It was for our protection early on, and then it turned into something else, but we were really jacked up people. And, and here's an example, the, Judah, Tamar, all of the things, people not meeting their obligations and the responsibilities they have, then we come back to the story of Joseph. We kind of end on a good note, but we still end in a place where we know the capability of, of one of the major families, the big players of, of the Israel people, Israelite people uh, can really fall really, really far Mm -hmm. on the moral scale. Yeah. Yeah. So I I guess that would be it. I mean, that's an interpretation that, that I would offer from from what i can tell and glean from it that's why we record this for to hear your interpretation yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: so uh the the takeaway here at the end of this episode is going to be i hope um how we what do we do with these stories yeah you know how do we apply these they're messed up stories they are uh, again the worst possible family reunion you know story you could ever think of right Ten, hundred, thousand 100000 fold. You know. Yeah. So well, think. Well, what think, do we think about that, that
1: right there. Think about that. So, like, no matter how bad your 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 family situation is, and we're going to talk about the Joseph story and families okay. all throughout the fall. Uh-huh. And so, I'm excited about that and where this is kind of jumping into. Um, but, but no matter where you're at, what you come from, I know that my family is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Like, and I and I mean that. I've shared parts of my yeah, story, sure. but like, there's just there's just a lot of mess going on and still going on, and so. And in my own past that I created. And so, like, no matter where you're at, I just want you to see that this story is a part of the story that led to Jesus yeah. okay and so um, we see that happening on and and one of the things that I offered Sunday and again want to encourage you is that I think that we have to like we have to turn the way that we look at God and um, how God relates to us because I think we've centered everything around us hmm. and so we we looked around my life like John Wayne I think about uh, I think about what's going on in my week and I'm like okay so how is God Relating to John Wayne, like so, where do I see him in play? Where did I see him this week? And some of that's 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 okay, but we get too focused on um, our story and how God fits into it when it's really God's redemptive story, and we get to see how He brings us into His story mm-hmm. and how we fit into that. And you I think know. that's that's a much more holistic and biblical understanding of the narrative and what God's doing, because even if if life seems to be so hard and for a lot of our families we can see that there's illness and we've lost family members and we've lost kids and we've lost people that like w- there was just never any answer Answer to that I think that when we start to see is it not just our story but we're a small piece uh, that has been brought into the redemptive story of God and how we live out that our part of that gets to play a role in how this redemptive story is communicated to the world yeah. And so I think that's a big, rich part of what's going on. And the other thing is that when we don't see God there, do we trust that? That's when faith is formed and shaped in the seasons where we look at it and go, there is no way God is in this or using it or any of that. I mean, I can imagine the worst situation, like people in, in uh, during the Holocaust and, and these these execution camps, just like there's no way God's a part of this. Right. And then finding out like there's some redemptive qualities coming through this and God was present and he's he's going to bring something out of this and, and, and put this together. But I can also see in those those seasons of life where we just feel like we're swimming to a place that we don't know like a, a shore that we can't see and we just get apathetic or tired and, and worn out and we start to take that out on our family and we start to take that out on our spouse and our kids or we hate our job or whatever that is and life just gets really hard beats us down and we and I think the reason why life gets hard is because life is hard but also we start concurrently to forget that God is truly with us He's truly speaking and working and 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 strengthening us in ways that we can't even imagine. And so the question was it wasn't an answer. I didn't give any answers this week. It was (laughs) really just to ask some questions about how, how do you, how do you, what do you do in those seasons? Um, Do you get so overwhelmed with circumstances around you or do you actually believe that God's working and and is present in your life? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we do with it. I think we ask those questions of our life. If someone were to see, you or see me from the outside and would they know that there's some kind of resolve and patience and hope and love? Is there something that's transcendent about this person Mm and that? And what I mean by transcendent is like that w- when life gets really tough, or when seasons are hard, or when when nothing's going on, or when everything's going on, we've got this steady kind of transcendence to us, where where our our identity and our minds and our hearts and our loves and our passions are kept in someone uh, in God that can never uh, run out, that that is never not there, and, and all of that. That that's when we start to to see ourselves fitting into the redemptive story of what God has
0: for mm-hmm. us. That sounds good.
1: Cool? Yes, sir. I got a question for you. This is a fun one. Oh, he did not prep me. Yeah, I know I didn't he prep didn't you. This me. is oh, not in the uh, agenda. Oh, boy. Uh, it's Father's Day Sunday. Uh-huh. What was your favorite thing? Well, give me give me two things, uh, that two of your favorite things about being a dad right now. You're in a season of dad that I'm not in.
0: I'm at the... Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> almost said like I'm at the tail end of the CG yeah, episode. you're at right the tail not, end. I don't get no, to. I don't yeah, they're, yeah, they're still. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of my daughters is. Um, Moved out and is married yeah. and and um, so then I actually I guess I have a bonus because I have a son-in-law yeah and my a other daughter one. is yep my other daughter is uh, almost done with high school she's got one more year so yeah that is definitely a different season and and um, I, I I guess I'd had some conversations with folks yours your son's six months how yeah, many six, six months old and, yeah. and and I still have I have coworkers that their their kids are still in middle school yeah, and not yeah, even yeah. in high school yet yeah. so I'm like I look back family go oh, oh yeah I, I remember how that yeah. was you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember waking up for diapers. <laughs> Young whippersnappers. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I guess the the one of the best parts about this season of fatherhood is just seeing. Um, my children uh grow like in real time i mean yeah. when when they're younger you think oh wow they used to be this small now they're this big and yeah. they're, they're growing so fast but now i'm seeing more growth than just their physical growth but yeah, yeah yeah their yeah. spiritual growth and their relation growth in their relationships and yeah how it's not just uh, getting in fights with friends next door down the street or yeah. whatever but actually building like Real, um, real meaningful relationships yeah. with, with friends that you can tell just by looking at them yeah. that they don't probably know. But it's like this relationship is going to be it's like last. everything's
1: kind of connecting all of a sudden. It really. Like, yeah, like, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of pieces that were kind of in
0: place, but now they're starting to. It's really like, OK, grow. I remember at that age, that friend of mine that I had that I've, I haven't talked to in 20 plus years yeah. versus my other friend. That I had at the same time. Yeah, that we are hard and fast friends, you know, and will be forever. So it's like, okay, I I mean, it's kind of like a game. It's like, okay, I think that her friend's gonna be, yeah, there through thick and thin forever and ever, you know. So, um, just. Really, you know, getting to witness that and kind of, I mean, you're reflecting on your own life, yeah, and you're seeing their actions through your lens and stuff. So, and then on the other hand, just seeing what they're doing on their own, that it's like, wow, I I didn't have that kind of relationship or spiritual relationship or you know, relationship with God at the time. So it's like it's just great. So. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, thank you for listening. Yeah. You have a great trip. in thank you. Puerto Rico. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to uh, hear all about that when you get back. And I hope uh, it's a fruitful uh, visit down there.
1: Hasta luego. Oh, muy bien. <laughs> Thanks, friends. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye.